Welcome to episode 96 of Girl Take the Lead, where each week we explore womanhood and leadership. And I'm your host, Yo Kenny. So Labor Day was yesterday, and it's a national holiday in the United States to honor and recognize the American labor movement and the works and contributions of laborers. When I thought about an episode that might complement Labor Day and what leaders best represented the American labor movement, I immediately thought of the efforts of Cesar Chavez. Maybe it was because Chavez was my maiden name or that he resembled my own father's looks or that San Jose State University has a monument to the man in the center of campus that calls to me whenever I'm there or that I boycotted grapes for years when growing up, or joined my dad as a very young girl, like six years old, on the picket line when LA Unified School District teachers were striking in 1960. I talked the idea of this episode over with one of my trusted advisors, my millennial daughter, Emma, who said, why do Cesar? Why don't you do Dolores Huerta? Tell her story as the female who took the lead alongside Cesar. And you might have heard this when I was previewing the episode, but like Ginger Rogers, who did everything that Fred Astaire did, uh, but backwards and in three-inch heels, Dolores did everything that Cesar did, but she did it while raising 11 children. So let's get started. So here's some background about Dolores from the book, Huelga. Dolores Huerta, Stand Strong. Huelga means strike. And Marlene Targ Brill says this about her. Quote, a voice that could be heard above the noise of the time. And if you reflect on the 1960s through the 70s, they were very noisy. There was Vietnam assassinations of JFK, Robert Kennedy, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King. There were riots, flights to the moon, and there were very loud social movements for the rights of women and people of color. So here's a little background about Dolores. Both of her parents were born in the United States and lived and worked in the New Mexico region. Dolores was born April 10th, 1930, and her parents divorced when she was about three years old. Eventually, the family moved to Stockton, California, which sits along rich farmland in the north-central San Joaquin Valley with several communities of farm workers. Alicia, Dolores's mother, took two jobs just to put enough food on the table and build a small savings. Dolores grew up believing that a woman's voice was just as important as a man's. While her brothers picked tomatoes on nearby farms, Dolores was never allowed to work in the fields, but as a teenager worked in the packaging sheds where she learned about difficult labor. Eventually, Alicia was able to buy a hotel where working class people and farm laborers were always welcome. Dolores saw how her mother treated all her boarders with compassion and respect. And she watched her mother become an involved and outspoken leader in civic organizations and the church. Her barrio, which means neighborhood, and her school were filled with blacks, whites, Native Americans, Italians, Filipinos, and Jewish families. One cool fact 
is that together with her classmates, Dolores joined the Girl Scouts, where everyone was made to feel very special. And she was a Girl Scout from age 8 to 18. Way to go, Dolores. And a big shout out to Girl Scouts. In high school, Dolores saw discrimination and unjust treatment firsthand, and she learned from these experiences and tried to rise above them. She helped to start a teen center and brought groups together that the police closed, (laughs) but it taught her the power of bringing people together to fight discrimination, and this was just in high school. Dolores was able to go to college and become a teacher where she wanted to get her students free lunch and milk because so many of her students were undernourished, lived in run-down shacks or in cars making sleeping difficult, so they arrived to her class tired and hungry. Dolores' school principal responded without feeling and wrongly assumed that kids came from families that didn't care. Dolores decided that the best way to help her students was to help their parents gain better working conditions. To do that, she joined the new Stockton branch of the Community Service Organization called the CSO. It was through this organization that she met Cesar Chavez. She decided to quit teaching, hired on as a full-time activist by CSO, which took a lot of faith on her part. Job was to convince lawmakers to vote the CSO way. She became the voice of the CSO, went to Sacramento, the state capital, to lobby legislatures to enact laws that would benefit poor and immigrant workers. Together, Cesar and Dolores fought for pensions, disability insurance, the ability for Latino immigrants to take their driver's exam in Spanish, and they urged the end to the Bracero program. That was the program that granted temporary contracts for work on the farms and promised fair living and working conditions, affordable food, and adequate free and sanitary housing, plus a minimum wage of 30 cents an hour. They were also guaranteed access without discrimination to gringo or white areas surrounding the farms. These promises were broken, and if the workers complained, they were shipped back to Mexico. There was no representation or recourse for these workers. It began in 1942, and it took them 22 years, but the Bracero program officially ended in 1964. While working at CSO, Dolores met and married her second husband. The first husband was in high school, and they had two children together. And the second husband thought his wife's role should be more like a traditional mother, And this was not Dolores' plan. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This led to a bitter divorce. Meanwhile, she continued to help farm workers and eventually with Cesar, saw the vision for a union specifically for field workers. At the time, Dolores had six children with the seventh on the way. She was a single mom with a low-paying job, but a farm workers' union was her dream. On September 30th, Dolores and Cesar held the first meeting of the National Farm Workers Association, and reluctantly, Dolores became an officer. Cesar told her, 
the people who actually do the work are going to run this union. Their first convention had 150 delegates and their families attended. They envisioned that a strong association to secure higher wages, better living and working conditions, and steady work could help workers lay down roots, build a community, and send their children to the same schools each season. They called for the end of spraying unhealthy chemicals on the crops while workers labored in the fields. They asked for health insurance for workers who got sick. They adopted the motto, Viva la Causa. Dolores played a strong decision-making role in the union leadership. She contributed to strategy, organization, and direction to help shape the NFWA. She never worried about criticism for being a woman handling what many people thought was a man's job. She was bold, smart, and unafraid. And anyone who can do the job is welcome to come in and share the suffering, Dolores wrote once. She was clever and direct. She confronted the discrimination head on. She said this, the men would come out and say their stupid little jokes about women. <laughs> so I started keeping a record. At the end of the meeting, I'd say, during the course of this meeting, you men have made 58 sexist remarks. Pretty soon, I got them down to 25, then 10, and then five. And I bet today, at age 93, she'd get them to zero. The union's central office was in Delano, California, and the process to establish the union was very slow and frustrating. Dolores traveled wherever farm workers gathered any time of day or night, and she continued to lobby the legislature in Sacramento. By 1963, she had helped persuade state lawmakers to pass regulations that allowed farm workers to receive disability and unemployment insurance. Dolores was a natural speaker on behalf of union causes, but union leaders decided to put Cesar as a visible, thoughtful leader. Dolores was the hidden one, the person with the education, the one able to communicate and organize, the one with the strength to pitch Cesar's ideas. She was known as the passionate one in contrast to Cesar's calm presence. Behind the scenes, Dolores was a forceful and persistent negotiator. In 1965, members of the Filipino Agricultural Workers Organizing Committee approached Cesar and Dolores with a problem. That September, the Coachella Valley grape growers had reduced worker pay. The growers had imported Mexican workers to pick grapes for the $1.50 an hour set by law, but they paid local workers less. Filipino farm workers refused to pick grapes for the lower rate and walked out. After 10 days, growers agreed to pay local workers the same wage as the Mexican migrants. However, the local workers received neither union recognition nor a decent contract. By late fall, grape growers around Delano were offering the same low wage that the Coachella Valley growers had proposed and they realized it would keep occurring unless they signed a formal contract. 
On September 8th, workers refused to pick grapes for nine farms. On September 16th, the union membership voted to strike against the table grape growers. Viva la huelga! The strike brought national leaders who lent their support like Senator Robert F. Kennedy, who attended Senate hearings about migrant workers and joined marchers on picket lines. They organized a 350-mile march from Delano to the steps of the state capitol in Sacramento. Dolores organized picket lines and served as the main negotiator, becoming the first Mexican-American non-lawyer and woman to lead negotiations for a farm labor contract. She secured improved working conditions, health benefits, and an end to the use of deadly pesticides showered on crops while workers were still in the fields. Dolores and some of the union leaders believed that if American shoppers understood how badly farm workers were treated, they would stop buying grapes to show support for the workers. What a great insight, right? Can you imagine if they'd had the power of social media today? Oh my gosh. (laughs) To make this point, Dolores and other volunteers organized boycotts in several major cities and led the boycott in New York City. She mobilized religious, political, and peace groups to picket distribution centers and grocery stores. She approached radio and television stations and newspapers to gain more publicly. She eventually expanded her reach by coordinating boycotts along the entire East Coast. Victory came on July 29, 1970, almost five years after the start on September 7, 1965. And wow, I gotta tell you, I hadn't realized it was five years long. The UFW signed a historic agreement with 26 major grape growers. The growers allowed farm workers to unionize, raise wages to $1.80 an hour, and provided other benefits. Farm labor and migrant rights came into the national consciousness. These historic gains by the early 1970s were under assault, and it was Dolores who spent time in Sacramento and Washington, D.C., fending off numerous court cases initiated by growers and larger unions. Arizona passed a law to stop farm workers from striking and holding boycotts during the harvest season. In response, Cesar started his fast, and the movement seemed to be hopeless. Someone shouted, No se puede, which means, no, we can't do it. But Dolores was the one who said, si, se puedes. Yes, we can. A line that Barack Obama borrowed, with Dolores' permission, during his presidential campaign. Dolores offered this insight into Cesar's fast. A lot of people thought Cesar was trying to play God, that this guy really was trying to pull a saintly act. They just couldn't accept it for what it was. I know it's hard for people who are not Mexican to understand, but this is part of the Mexican culture, the penance, the whole idea of suffering for something, or self-inflicted punishment. It's a tradition of a very long standing. In fact, Cesar was often mentioned in speeches that we will not win through violence, we will win through fasting and prayer.
And Chavez said this about his fast, that it had one purpose, to discourage violence by union members. He said, if the strike means the blood of one grower or one grower's son or one worker or one worker's son, then it isn't worth it. And after 25 days of subsisting on just water, he ended the fast and more than 6,000 workers gathered in Delano Park to witness the ceremony. Senator Robert Kennedy flew in to be part of the celebration too. It was also said that the fast was able to unify the farm workers all over the state of California. Prior to the fast, there had been a lot of bickering and backbiting and fighting and little attempts at violence. But Cesar brought everyone together and really established himself as leader of the farm workers. Dolores gained a reputation as a tough negotiator, but she also could be unpredictable and disorganized. Her daughter called her the disorganized organizer. Along the way, she began a romantic relationship with Richard Chavez, Cesar's brother. In Richard, she found her true partner, and they were together until Richard's death in 2011. Together, they had four children, this in addition to the seven she already had. <laughs> so, holy moly, 11. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Cesar said this about Dolores. Dolores Huerta is physically and mentally fearless. Those who loved her would say she was inspiring, brave, a believer, not a broker, for her cause. Those who didn't, would say she was crazy, violent, and not like other women, especially Mexican women, who are usually peaceful and pleasant. Her children often said that she was their hero. Her daughter Juanita said, what I love about my hero is that she doesn't try to be perfect. She will be the first to admit her faults. Dolores would be the first to admit that she could be trouble. She said this once, my personal life is a mess. She also said, I know I have a terrible temper. Even her way of encouraging others sometimes sounded angry. She'd yell, don't be a marshmallow at marches and on picket lines. I think you're getting the picture that sometimes her personality and skills clashed with Cesar's calmer methods. They shared a vision and passion, but sometimes differed and argued on how to achieve their goals. She is quoted to have said, Cesar fired me 15 times and I must have quit about 10. Then we'll call each other up and get back to work. There have been times when I should have fought harder. When he tells me now, you're getting impossible, arguing all the time, I say, you haven't seen anything yet because from now on, I'm going to fight really, really hard when I believe something. I can be wrong too, but at least it will be on the record how I felt. Listen to this passage taken from Cesar's autobiography of La Causa, which included Dolores's account for their fights. She said, Cesar and I have a lot of personal fights, usually over strategy or personalities. I don't think Cesar himself understands why he fights with me. 
We have these heart-to-heart talks every six months or so on how we're not going to fight anymore and how demoralizing it is to everyone else when we do. But then, like the next day, we'll have another fight. (laughs) This time, Cesar said, I don't want you to go into arbitration. We had already been in arbitration three times, and it was costing the union a lot of money, but Cesar felt that it wouldn't resolve the real issue, which was that the workers had to assert themselves to make the contract work. However, I had called the arbitrator and was utterly confident that we'd win the arbitration. And Cesar said, don't go. I called Cesar from San Francisco after we won the decision. I forgot what he told me, but it was something very snotty to let me know he was still mad, even though I had won. Dolores was arrested 22 times. Thugs were hired to stop protests, threatened, and even shoved and assaulted her. During marches, wealthy growers occasionally gave secret payments to corrupt police officers who treated Dolores and other protesters violently. The worst attack was in 1988 in San Francisco, where she led a march to protest George H. W. Bush's policies regarding pesticides. Although the march was peaceful, something triggered security officers to push into the orderly crowd. She was caught in the rush and was beaten to the ground. She suffered several broken ribs and a ruptured spleen. Her recovery was a long, slow process, but she turned the event into an opportunity to push for justice. In Cesar's autobiography, Dolores also wrote this. When meeting with Kenneth Corey in 1971, the Democrat from conservative Orange County, after Bill waded heavily towards the growers, it was reported that Corey tells Dolores tensions are too high to talk now. He was emotionally upset and she was too. Corey said, they should meet again after both have had a chance to cool down. Dolores starts to speak. Let me tell you something. Do you know why we loved Robert Kennedy so? But Corey interrupts her. Not now, Dolores. We are too emotionally involved. Let me finish. It won't take but a second. Dolores breaks in, plowing right ahead, her words spilling out too rapidly to be cut in on. Do you know why the poor loved those millionaires, John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy? It was their attitude. I think Ted has it too. Robert didn't come to us and tell us what was good for us. He came to us and asked us two questions. All he said was, what do you want? How can I help? That's why we loved him. I would say, do not interrupt a woman on fire like Dolores was. Her 11 children are now adults. They thrive in a variety of professions, doctor, lawyer, massage therapist, foundation leader, teacher, public health specialist, filmmaker, musician, and poet. They all believe that their mother has instilled in them a sense of civic duty and a belief in doing their best, no matter what chosen field. Their mother might have missed birthdays and holidays when they were growing up, but they feel that By her being a committed role model, she inspired them to believe in themselves. From her, they learned that anything is possible if someone works hard enough for it. Today, she is 93 years old and is a role model for two more generations, her 15 grandchildren and four great-grandchildren. 
wasn't always easy for her. One reporter noted this about Dolores. Living as an activist has meant defying her family and redefining her role as a mother. It has meant poverty. It has been a life etched by threats, protest marches, police brutality, and imprisonment. But it has also brought triumphs, hers and the people she continues to serve. She counts improvements in farm workers' wages, clean drinking water and toilets in the field, decent housing, health benefits, environmental policies, and freedom to work without sexual harassment among her credits. She said this about her life. I would like to be viewed as a woman who cares for her fellow humans. We must use our lives to make the world a better place, not just to acquire things. That is what we are put on earth for. Among her many recognitions has been the 2012 Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest civilian honor that the United States bestows, which was given by President Barack Obama when she was 82 years old. I would like to end our episode today with the telegram that Martin Luther King sent on the occasion of Cesar and Dolores ending the grape strike. As brothers in the fight for equality, I extend the hand of fellowship and goodwill and wish continuing success to you and your members. The fight for equality must be fought on many fronts. In the urban slums, in the sweatshops of the factories and fields. Our separate struggles are really one. A struggle for freedom, for dignity, and for humanity. You and your valiant fellow workers have demonstrated your commitment to righting grievous wrongs forced upon exploited people. We are together with you in spirit and in termination that our dreams for a better tomorrow will be realized. Thanks for listening and for being here. Thank you for listening today. We sure hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcast. Join our public Facebook group, Girl Take the Lead, or visit our website, girltaketheleadpod.com. We also have a YouTube channel where your subscription would be appreciated. Once you're on YouTube, search Girl Take the Lead. So here are the three takeaways from this episode. One, Dolores's partnership was a strong one with Cesar. Together, the two of them changed a nation and did by using new and unused methods to achieve justice for farm workers. Two, Dolores was very brave and not afraid of conflict, which made her a tough negotiator, a skill that complemented Cesar's approach and one we can all learn from. Three, her consumer insights to inform the public about working conditions was genius. This episode did take some research, and if interested, I put all my resources in the show notes. There were so few books about Dolores compared to Cesar, but Emma had it right. It was important to tell her story. 
And on Thursday, I'll bring you a soundbite about Helen Chavez. Yep, had to put the spotlight on one more heroine we hardly hear about. Helen was Cesar's wife and stood by him along with Dolores. I found some interesting details in my research that I just have to share with you. And I hope you'll join me for that one too. Thanks for being here and talk to you soon. Bye. 